Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. We are here today in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 reads, They came out to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirit came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. And he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about to the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. 
Sharing the nugget of truth for today's chapter with us is Ivy Esau. Ivy has been here at Ascend for about five years and been serving in student ministry for four years. And so take it away, Ivy. What is it that God's Word is speaking to you from this passage? Yeah, one thing I was thinking about as I read this passage was how Jesus didn't heal probably every single person who was sick, lame, or possessed by demons that he came in contact with. But the accounts we have here in Scripture, and in specifically Mark 5, are for the purpose of God's glory being displayed and the message of the gospel going throughout the earth. So as I looked at these three miracles Jesus performed, I reflected on how they serve to advance the gospel and show the ultimate theme of this chapter, which is God's power and authority over all things. We see his authority over the devil, over the over diseases, and over death in this chapter. One area I really want to focus in on is where he heals the woman who has been sick for 12 years. And specifically in verse 30 and 31, just before this, the woman has been crawling through this crowd. We, she's probably physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, spiritually weak. We see her just crawling through this crowd, just seeking to touch just the fringe of Jesus's garment. And in verse 30 and 31, we see Jesus say, who touched me after he has felt this power go out of him? And the disciples are looking at him and being like, there's people all around you. So what do you mean who touched you? He could have easily kept walking and never interacted with this woman, but Jesus goes to the heart. He wanted to acknowledge this woman's faith. I think from a young age, we're taught that Jesus is watching and that's motivation for us to obey or to not do the wrong thing. Matthew Henry's commentary says, As secret acts of sin, so secret acts of faith are known to the Lord Jesus and are under his watchful eye. So even in the moments where it feels like we are all alone, Jesus sees not just our failures, but also what encouragement we can find that he also sees our acts of faithfulness, just like this woman. It kind of changes the focus from a don't do this because Jesus is watching heart, and it changes our hearts to be motivated by obedience resulting from trusting in him. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We see this very clearly here. In verse 34, Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. She received not just physical healing, but we see she also received spiritual healing. I want to zoom out just a little bit and look at all three of these people who experienced healing from Jesus. They all fell down before him. We see the demon-possessed man ran and fell down before him. We see that Jairus, who is desperate for his daughter to be saved, fell at the feet of Jesus. And we see this woman falling down before him, telling him, I touched you. The presence of Jesus demanded a response, and all of these three people felt that. If we zoom out even further, we see that there's crowds around them. These crowds are marveling at Jesus and what he's done when the demon-possessed man tells them about it. They're amazed at what Jesus has done. And some of them even laugh at what Jesus says when he says that the, that the little girl is only sleeping and not dead because they don't have any faith to think that he could possibly raise her from the dead. So I'm wondering, do we move past our amazement and our marveling at Jesus and what he's done to fall down at his feet and worship, recognizing he has all that we need for spiritual healing? No, we aren't probably possessed by demons. We may not be diseased with a deathly illness. We are not dead physically if we're listening right now. But the Bible says we are all dead spiritually and in poverty, desperately in need of the benevolence of God, just as these three people were. Ephesians 2 says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but God has made us alive through Christ. 
We see that vividly today in these accounts. We all have the opportunity to come to Jesus for healing that only He can provide. May we all grow to move beyond marveling at Jesus to worshiping at His feet and seeking to go and tell all that God has done for us. Thanks, Ivy. That's so good. I appreciate how you have put us in a spot where we understand that while we are not just like these people in terms of our exact circumstances, that we are just like them in terms of our true spiritual stance and what we need and our need for Jesus. And uh, a big thing that you look at as you look through here is each of these three situations, it's handled differently. Uh, there's different things that Jesus asks these people to do. And in fact, if we look there at the woman that you've pointed to, well, we don't see a specific charge of Jesus to go tell or to not tell what's going on. But if we look and fast forward to the end of chapter 7 of Mark, we hear that the people are trying to come in and touch even the fringe of his garment because they've heard the story of what's happened to this woman. And so clearly what's happened for her has gotten out. But if we look at the other two situations here with the demon-possessed man and Jairus' daughter, there's two distinct descriptions that lead us to our question today uh, from this chapter, which is, why would Jesus tell some people to share what he's doing and tell other people to not share what he's doing? It seems like, obviously, we want to share the gospel, the good news of what Jesus is doing. These are miracles. It's proof of him being God. We would expect him to say, yeah, go tell everybody everywhere what's going on so everybody is without excuse. But when we think about that question, why would Jesus tell different people different things with response to how they spread the gospel? When we think about the way in which Jesus gives these two different directives on what they should do with the gospel, how would you respond to somebody that asks a question like that? Yeah, so I also had the same question as I was reading this chapter this week and um, did a little bit of study, and I found a couple varying answers. One study I found in Matthew Henry's commentary says the healing of Jairus's daughter was sufficiently known to a small number of people. But Jesus would not have it proclaimed any further because his very own resurrection from the dead was to be the great instance of his power over death. And then another source that I found also said Jesus did not want people focusing on the miracles he performed, but rather the message he proclaimed and the death he was going to die. I think the same is true today. God would rather we be focused on the healing miracle of salvation through Jesus instead of focusing on other healings and or miracles. So I think we can deduce that it's always about the message of the gospel over the miracle itself. Yeah, you know, that's so good. I mean, obviously, so many people had physical needs back in this time. So many people had ailments, all sorts of things that Jesus could have healed. So many people were hungry. He could have just gone and fed everyone, fixed all of these physical problems. But, you know, we always have to have that understanding that the spiritual was the focus for Jesus's mission. And so uh, the two different sections here, one of them, as you've just showed us, you know, they want that message to continue to spread throughout the Decapolis uh, with uh, the man who is healed from the demon possession. But where Jesus is going to spend the rest of his ministry right there around the Sea of Galilee, if everyone continually comes, it's going to be very difficult for him to continue to do what he's trying to do. Just so hard to manage the crowds. But Jesus knew these would be stories. These would be events. These would be told to others that would be 
opportunities for faith to extend, for faith to be continuing to spread in that area at that point in time, as well as through all generations as we read and study God's Word from that. So thanks so much for sharing with us today, Ivy. As always, try to come up with a question of your own and share what you're learning with someone else so that we're collectively growing in our understanding of God's Word and how it applies to our life. Know as you do that today, you are loved. You're